The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. I am back after an unexpected week off. Life went off the rails a little bit, as it can do at times. Uh, You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Uh, But I think the dust has settled for now, and I am so happy to be recording once again and bringing you guys even more entertaining education. I have a great guest conversation prepared for you today. Really enjoyed getting to speak with this fellow skeptical believer and fellow member of the Society for Arcane Studies. This will be part one of two, because, you know, when the conversation's fun and entertaining, you keep going. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Uh, Speaking of fun and entertaining, mark your calendars, set your clocks, the second episode of the brand new call-in talk podcast program, Beer, Booze, and Boogeymen, goes live once again Saturday, March 2nd, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Our topic is strange lights. Strange lights. Hmm. Could be a UFO in the sky, ghost lights in the woods, flickering lights in your mom's basement. Whatever your experience, we want to hear from you. Submit a written account or voice message at ghost.beer. Ghost.beer. Super simple. Um, Or you can just call in (laughs) during the stream. I mean, whatever you want to do. Technical issues be damned. But uh, Damien, Gil, and I had such a great time hearing your stories. You guys just really made that show a special night for us so let's do it again <laughs> march 2nd 4 30 p.m pacific see you there so last week something strange happened on old youtube i woke up one morning and saw a few new faces pop up in my sub list we have surpassed my goal for the month and uh I don't know how. It's a mystery. So if anyone out there shared the show with friends, talked about it on your socials and gave me some love, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, A lovely new subscriber, S. Wilson463, wanted to hear about the paranormal happenings on the Squatch Fest journey. 
like I said, I would tell this story if someone asked, um, but uh, my brother-in-law made an appearance. He was there the entire trip. That weekend being the anniversary weekend of his passing and following a year of activity from him, it doesn't really surprise me. But, you know, it was it was cool. It was nice. Now, for anyone who does not want to hear about afterlife communications and my experiences at Squatch Fest uh, and just wants to get to the Bigfoot stuff, I totally understand. Skip ahead about six or seven minutes. That should put you right at the intro. For everyone else, I, um, I get how some of you might think these are nothing more than coincidence. But like I said, this family has heard from him more than enough over the past year. Um, we kind of know what to keep an eye out for now. So here we go. So we left town very early in the morning. I plugged in my ways. I love ways. I always depend on it whenever I'm going anywhere new. And I had looked at the trip the night before, and I knew which road we were going to be taking south. However, as we got on the road, it redirected us. At the time, I was assuming, okay, it's, uh, it, it's doing that to save us time or something. You know, there's a crash or construction or whatever. So we went on this redirected route. Followed it for about a half hour when suddenly, up ahead, we could see on the screen that it was going to make us U-turn and send us back the way we had just come and take the original road. The very small town we were in was the town my sister married my brother-in-law. It is out in the middle of nowhere. The intersection, it had us turning around was where you hang a right to head up to the bed and breakfast in front of which they were married. Coincidence and technical malfunction? Well, perhaps. So we're back on our original route, back on the road. Part of the journey there, we uh, went along the route along the Columbia Gorge. I have never been on this road before. About an hour or so away from our first destination, we were approaching one of those big green interstate signs with like upcoming towns and, you know, just stuff on them. And I was paying particular attention because I wanted to see if it showed how much further our first stop was going to be. Get up to the sign. It's a list of three places, starting with John Day Dam. I think it was. It was John something followed by Biggs Junction, followed by another place. My brother-in-law's name was John, and his nickname was Big, after the character in the Sex in the City, and also because he was big. <laughs> um, another coincidence? Sure, there are a lot of places with John or Biggs in the name, even some together on the same sign. Sure. Fast forward to the following day. We were just leaving day one of Squatch Fest. It was a little wet, murky out. It was getting dark. The lights in my sister's vehicle are automatic unless they are turned off. They were turned off. Now, this stuck out to me because this 
is a specific sign that I believe I have received from John in my own vehicle. The strange thing about the lights in my car, I always leave them on automatic. I have never turned them to the off position. And I will put a pic up here for my YouTube audience to show you why this is so strange. As you can see, it is a big dial that you have to manually turn all the way to the left in order to shut off the lights. Again, I have never, since the day of owning my car, turned the damn lights off. They automatically sense dark versus light. Why would I bother? Well, since John's passing, starting the very evening that he passed, I have gotten into my personal car three times to find the lights turned off, turned all the way to the left. So this happening in my sister's car really grabbed my attention. One more thing that I will share, and it's the big one. It was the second and final day of the conference. My sister and I were standing in line for hot dogs out near the food trucks. Uh, this area butted right up against the beer tent where they were playing live music inside. Suddenly, they start playing Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. The energy shifted. My sister and I were both just smiling after the previous signs. People were, were singing, you know, doing the bump, 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 good times never look so good. So, and so were we, so were we, and she's crying and, and we're just going, oh, he's here, he's here. And I know that, I knew that he was, it's, it's a feeling, hard to explain. Um, John was known for his eclectic taste in music and just turning the volume all the way up, just rocking out. And there is a whole story behind it, but Sweet Caroline was their song. It was really special to them. And he was a very stoic, very stern man. But any time it came on, he stopped what he was doing to go dance with my sister. And that's basically the story. Um, there were some other things, just smaller things, too. Um, but, you know, those were the signs that had a big impact on me. And they are just additions to a year's worth of activity from him. His story is ongoing still. All right. Let's do a quick word from today's sponsor before I bring on our guest. 2024 is here in full swing, and that means it's time for a New Year's resolution check-in with our friends at Manscaped. Newsflash! It is never too late to level up your grooming game and keep your bush tamed, fellas. Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're going for a trim or that clean-shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, now is your time to get a grip on your grooming with my exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code PNG for 20% off plus free shipping. Valentine's Day has passed. The Super Bowl. 
President's Day. So much has happened, and we're well into February now. How those resolutions holding up, my dudes? We can't slip up yet. It is still early enough to make this year the year we make the change we've been needing to. Plus, it is never too late to change. Old grooming habits die easy when your why is big enough. And when you have the proper tools to get you there, Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0 has those tools. The trusted lawnmower, Manscaped's ear and nose hair trimmer, and essential aftercare products like the Crop Soother Ball Aftershave Lotion and Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant. They also throw in two free gifts, the Shed 2.0 Toiletry Bag and a pair of the Boxers 2.0 because they know well and good you might still be rocking your boxers from high school. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code PNG at manscaped.com. Embrace a new you. Embrace a new pair of boxers. And definitely embrace a new trimmer, courtesy of Manscaped. Jim Brown is resident squatcher and journal contributor over at the Society for Arcane Studies. He was a member of Sasquatch Investigations of the Rockies, based out of Colorado, and has been studying, learning about, and investigating Sasquatch for many years. Perhaps most importantly, though, Jim is an open-minded skeptic who is enthusiastic about this elusive critter. He wrote a piece titled, Let's Talk About Bigfoot, for the Society for Arcane Studies online journal, in which he asks his readers to keep an open mind as he details signs and evidence of its existence and historical precedence. He also takes his readers through an examination of the Patterson-Gimlin capture and makes his case as to why it's not just a guy in a monkey suit. Please enjoy my conversation with Jim Brown. My first life, I studied geology. And in my third life, I was a registered nurse. And in my third and fourth life and retired life now, I work for um, office services, just doing basically everything there is to do around an office, copy, printing, production, all that kind of stuff. Because Partly because I have a big mouth and I tend to... Um, um, not be able to stay with the career for very long. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up doing that where I don't make people quite so angry. <laughs> Jack of all mm. trades, you know, I, I've uh, done a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's mm. nothing wrong with that. A lot of people think they gotta, they gotta pick just one thing and that's the one thing that you are for the rest of your life. And that's just not no, so no. Mm -hmm. that doesn't work anymore anyway. Um, <laughs> You know, I guess another big factor is, you know, in growing up, um, we moved constantly. Mm -hmm. I think I figured one time and maybe not correctly, but I think it was like 11 different cities and 16 different houses by the time I graduated high school. Wow. And so moving that much, it gets you out a lot of a term out of a lot of term papers. Um, but it also just gives you a real perspective on people all over the world, you know, all over the country. And I've seen a lot of things, you know, and enjoyed a lot of different places. 
Yeah. So I can relate. When somebody talks about North Carolina or South Carolina, you know, I've been there and lived there. I can relate. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that does give me, that does <laughs> well, give me a little extra perspective. <laughs> well, maybe that's why we've gotten along so, so well uh, so far. We, we, we've got a, a email chain going back quite a ways. Uh, we, we have a kind of a similar background there. I've been all over cool. the place too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to have that worldview. Open your mind. Dude, you're in California now. Is that right? No longer in California. Now Pacific oh. Northwest, the beautiful oh, okay. Pacific oh, Northwest. Yes. yes. Um, well, one thing you you did not mention in that list is uh, your involvement in another aspect, <laughs> uh, Bigfoot cryptic oh, aspect. Oh. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> the um. So my my dad was always kind of interested in weirdness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, you know, from Gene Dixon, you know, the famous psychic to, um, oh golly, in North Carolina, there was, uh, there was something that came out like the, the, the woofing nanny, <laughs> some kind of a little creature. I found one reference to it was in, in later years. Um, you know, he was always interested in these things. Um, uh, but finally it wasn't, <clears throat> I came across an article in the paper um, and it referenced a woman who I won't give her name, but I knew, I knew of her by reputation mm-hmm. and where she had come across, uh, come face to face with a Bigfoot, like 10 feet away. And, um, she had worked with bear rehabilitation. So she knew it wasn't the bear and they come face to face and there's a baby peeking out from behind her. And, um, I said, you know, I know this woman. And uh, a lot of my wife's friends knew her too. So that just got me interested in the subject again. Uh, it was, you know, like I, said, I won't even go into the paper where it was, but it just caught my interest. So then I found the BFRO website trying to find it. And I did find it eventually, but that was a long rabbit hole. Uh, and then um, when I found out that there was going to be some people presenting at, um, Frozen Dead Guy Days, which is um, a whole other backstory I can go into <laughs> if you want to, uh, up in a, near, a town near here called Netherland. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I met Michael, who had started SUR, Sasquatch Investigation of the Rockies, and a couple other friends, a couple other people there who became friends. Mm-hmm. And so that's what really got me into it. Michael invited me out to go with him. And he didn't invite just any or everybody, but I must have said the right things or something and he invited me out on a trip and uh that's where i saw and heard some of my first interesting things Ooh. Uh, well uh, I, okay. oh i'm so sorry i'm so go, sorry go i'm very excited by the by no, go you, ahead so go when ahead. you joined the uh sir uh so you got to you were an actual team member with them mm-hmm. yeah and you got to go out on uh expeditions and like like, did you spend a lot of time out in the woods, like looking for evidence and not near as much, you know, Michael was able in those days, at least to go out for weeks at a time, oh, Okay. you know, and I could squeeze out, you know, usually in those days, a long weekend at the best, mm-hmm. uh, I was still working, but, uh, so I would go out with him, you know, whenever he had a trip going out, we went on, on quite a few, um, and there was always something interesting happening. And then on the other hand, I seemed to miss a lot of them. Like, um, one of the, um, oh, we'd gone out and about 
and we're just kind of in the car looking around and I got back to camp and I was car sick as all hell. So I stayed in camp while everybody went out to like the a feeding platform, feeding post, which is a common thing. Mm-hmm. And they saw, I think, five, a group of five. And of course, I missed it because I was car sick back at camp. Oh, no. <laughs> and that sort of seems to be <laughs> a kind of thing that's happened a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've regretted that one quite a bit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, what an experience that would be. Well, what kinds of evidence um, did you get to see while you were with them? Well, probably the most interesting one was it was in November uh, up in the mountains. It was getting pretty cold and um, waking up in probably three, four in the morning, something like that, hearing wood knocks coming from deep in the woods. And, uh, you know, it just sounded almost like a pistol shot. But, you know, it couldn't have been. There was no, no place back there, and it was the middle of the night. But it was just this amazing crack, crack. And then Michael will, you know, was awake, and he said, did you hear that? And I go, yeah, I did. You know, and that was really, it, was, it actually woke me up from a dream. And the dream, there was a judge hitting the gavel. <laughs> <laughs> and then I woke up, and then I heard the cracks coming from deep in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, that was my first and most interesting. And then um, seeing some eye shine and having somebody show me what I just thought it was just my eyes playing tricks until they were saying, did you see that? Just as my eye was playing a trick on me and said, uh, oh, yeah, OK, that's what that is. Uh, so seeing eye shine and then I've seen a few footprints. Uh, on one of those trips, I um, got a picture of the um, we measured it at um what was it? I think it was, was it 19 inches? Something like that. It was really big. Wow. <laughs> it was right out, right outside the tent. And it was on hard, you know, hard pack. This, you know, mountain has this, you know, where you have the hard pack with the pine needles layer over it. Mm-hmm. But there was enough to leave an impression um, in the wow. ground. And we could see a couple of those. And I'm thinking, you know, this thing is hanging around outside my tent. Um, where uh where was that located i i'm asking for a specific reason go ahead yeah it was in the um the the front range um kind of in in the area called the rampart range okay uh, which which may show up later too in the conversation um but um there have been i mean i I don't think i'm giving away any secrets there people have you know seen a lot of and sometimes we are a little circumspect because people have sites they go to and they've kind of cultivated a relationship with the group there or something like that. Sure, sure. Um, so, I'm, you know, but I don't think I really need to be terribly circumspect about that. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. no. And it, it's not my intention to give away anybody's, you know, their, yeah. their sites or anything. But um, yeah. I was just trying to establish that this bare footprint, 19 inch bare footprint was found outside your tent out in the middle of the woods, out in the middle of just. Well, it was, uh, it, there's a road going past there okay. and we're camped just, you know, sh- you know, maybe a hundred feet off the road. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so it wasn't in the middle of nowhere per mm-hmm. se. The, um, and there's a lot of people who ride mountain bikes and stuff like that in that oh, area. Okay. But this was, was outside the tent. Um, and, you know, I have to look back at my, the picture cause I, I have a, 
um, a big stick I carry. It's a piece of a railing off, off a you know, staircase. And I just call it my whacking stick. <laughs> and I have a tape measure uh, taped onto it. Uh, so I can just lay it down and get a sense. Okay. Um, okay. But, uh, but I think it was, I think it was 19 inches. Well, you're, you know, you're, you, you call yourself an open-minded skeptic about, uh, about Sasquatch. Like, did you mm -hmm. consider at the time, like, did you guys talk about, well, you know, what are the chances of somebody, you know, a, a mountain biker that was up here, like taking the time to, to come and plant this footprint right outside our tent? I think about that, you know, and I just have to say, as often as not, it's like, it would have to be, come on, get real. <laughs> you know, for starters, we would hear somebody, uh, you know, walking around outside the tent because there's usually five of us sleeping in the tent mm -hmm. and nobody's ever, they're all sleeping at the same time, uh, especially with my snoring. <laughs> but um, the, um, and it was a, no, no, when I say a bear print, it, it, it was a, a barefoot print. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not, not a bear print, but a barefoot Right, print. right, right. Um, and, you know, if you had a mountain biker with a 19-inch footprint, 19-inch foot, they probably would have a hard time, you know, pushing the pedals or fixing their toes into toe clips, you know. <laughs> Be a little awkward bike ride up there. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, you wanted to speak to something uh, before we started recording, and I, I wanted to give you the stage for that. Um, it's about uh, expertise in this mm -hmm. field of Sasquatch. Would you, uh, like, would you consider yourself an expert? Like, what's the distinguishing line mm -hmm. here? Well, so there's an old joke. It's not very funny, <laughs> but it's like, what's the definition of an expert? Mm -hmm. An X is a big nothing, and a spurt is a little drip under pressure. <laughs> so by that definition, I'm an expert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, with the people that you have on, you know, Lyle Blackburn and, uh, you know, these other folks, you know, as I said before, I am not worthy to fasten the strap on their GoPro uh, if they use a GoPro. Um, you know, I take my hat off to all of these guys who've been able to go out there and fully spend time and research. You know, frankly, a lot of times I didn't have gas money to go out and, mm -hmm. you know, and do that. Um but, you know, there's there's Michael with who started Sir, so that's, you know S I R, uh, who taught me so much, um, and through him I met um, another friend who I'm not, I don't feel comfortable giving his name, but he's a Vietnam vet and probably the toughest person I have ever met, and the kindest, you know, mm -hmm. um, just you know the kindest man, and some of his experiences I've learned so much from him. Patrick, um, who's going to be starting up his own World Bigfoot thing here before, uh, actually, he posted, I guess he posted his first one today. Um, you know, while I'm sitting there in camp having my third cup of coffee, he comes back from walking. So he's been walking for a couple of hours by this time, you know, and found footprints and tree breaks and interesting things. Um, there's so many people, you know, who um, I just, I tip my hat to. Um, and I'm basically along for the ride a lot of the time. I may organize a camping trip, but uh, there's so many others who, who know so much more than I do. If I, have a, if I have an expertise, I think it's in being able to write or talk about things and make them relatable. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, and I, I think that's what I have to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, you know, I'm, I'm taken from everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's uh, there are a lot of people who would say there there are no experts, period, in a field like that's... this or paranormal. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's that's you know, that there's there's something to that. I, I do agree. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there are these folks who have totally committed their the lives and time and motivation to like one subject and they are they are like the bulk of the information are, about yeah, that subject yeah. so i i do see what you're saying but you know on the other hand like uh you have a very unique uh slant to this as well a very unique uh perspective to this as well because like i uh mentioned in your bio you know you have this background in science uh logic-based field you know um you know a lot about mythology psychology you were a registered nurse like this very what you would consider very logical place to come from like a dr jeff meldrum like a dr grover krantz you're coming from a very logical place and now you're here studying Sasquatch. You do have a lot of knowledge. You've accrued a lot of knowledge over the years. Mm-hmm. You have been out in the field. You've done the work. So I don't know. I just I, I just really respect that. And especially, that. <laughs> especially coming from the background you do and landing here and thinking there is something to it. And also calling yourself an open-minded skeptic. You know, mm-hmm. I respect that. Absolutely. I think that I am too. But um you know, as as an open minded skeptic coming from this background. So you've never you've never seen one. You've never seen a Bigfoot. That's correct. Um, some of the evidence like you have questioned it yourself. Like what mm. what do you think is so what what compels you to keep going with this? What what is so compelling about it that you think? Yeah, maybe. Um, part of it is, is that I have so many friends and people who I trust so explicitly uh, who have seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no reason to doubt their lying. You know, when Michael talks about it being pouring rain outside and he could hear them stomping around outside the tent, trying to probably scare him away. And he sees a pair of fingers come under the side of the tent Ooh. and start messing with the um zipper fob um you know you see they were like big black sausages with gray with uh, black fingernails you know oh you know when you hear a story like that like you know why would you lie about that and you know it takes it takes a lot of imagination not that my i'm not saying it doesn't have any imagination but you know that's spooky stuff (laughs) um for other people who've seen them or people i know and trust or just the thousands and thousands of reports. If you go through the BFRO website in particular, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're just, 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 I don't know. Can we cuss on this show? <laughs> they, they're just batshit crazy, you know. Um, the, uh, so that's, you know, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the people I trust have seen them. And so then, what I keep hearing is you see him, you think you're prepared for it, and you will just be gobsmacked the first time you do, probably terrified, but it's amazing. That's why I keep hearing. It's just amazing to see this. Mm-hmm. And I want to see this, you know? What, uh, what mm-hmm. would you do if you saw one? What would you do? 
Well, probably the same thing I would do if I saw a ghost or a UFO, <laughs> an actual fact. I would probably start screaming and never stop. <laughs> um, but um, I have tried to, you know, go over this in my mind, you know, the same way as a nurse when you would rehearse, you know, you rehearse what you do in an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. I've tried to picture myself there and I would hope I would just be able to stand calm or even just sit down mm -hmm. and be not threatening and say, Hey, <laughs> um, let's talk. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I would hope, like I say, I would probably whim be whimpering on the ground, but, um, <laughs> but that's what I would like to do. My goal used to always be to get a picture mm -hmm. and I would still certainly like to have a picture, you know, which I could bring back to my, um, not my skeptical friends, but my cynical friends and say, here, <laughs> up yours. <laughs> you know? um, but um, I think I just want to experience it, experience yeah. being in the presence of something so other and so powerful. I, I guess that makes sense. I hope it does. It does yeah. To me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you mentioned something in there, uh, uh, something about speaking to it. Um, what after after a lifetime, like you were curious as a child up until the point you made the mm -hmm. jump into actually pursuing the information, um, you've been doing it basically for a lifetime. What what do you after all that? What do you think Bigfoot is like? What, what are its features what are the features about it what camp do you fall in well i used to i'll have to say i'm changing a little bit here mm -hmm. you know what, what we you know people call the woo woo camp yeah uh you know the um excuse me the um you know the mystical and the portals and the stuff like this i think you know there's some serious people who are starting to talk about portals and things like this so i may have to change my thinking on that um my wife thinks that that bigfoot sasquatches are pets of extraterrestrials <laughs> and when they open the portal they're letting them out to go get some exercise oh. you know go potty you know and then they come back in through the portal and that's how we keep not seeing them yeah. I, yeah. Um, but i i think they're essentially a flesh and blood creature mm -hmm. i think they are completely sentient, you know, self-aware, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not animals. They're not like the gorilla or chimpanzees who are of course sentient. Um, but I think they are a, a hominid, um, some variation on the humans. Um, I read years ago where somebody using a, um, or one of these, um, forensic anthropologists, I think it was took pictures from the Patterson Gimlin film mm -hmm. and removed the facial hair, you know, and said that the face looked very, very Native American. Hmm. Um, so I'm not saying anything about who or what, but um, who knows where these lineages, you know, may have branched, may have split off. I, you know, I, you know, I really that's out of my realm, but that's just you know something I heard that I thought was was interesting. Yeah. But um, they obviously, they seem to have a sense of tactical thinking. Oftentimes, I think when they appear, it's like, I'm going to show myself or, you know, but you can't get to me from here. Or sometimes I think they have made a mistake and been caught out, you know, because I'll say they're only human, right? But um, 
I hear stories of like finding a kill, you know, for, um, that has been torn to shreds. I mean, like ripped apart, uh, but finding a little feather stuck in there or, um, oh, or, or, or what appears to be a nest. You know, I can't say, yes, it is a nest, but it appears to be some sort of a bed or a nest that might have feathers or something stuck around it. Something that to me says they have a, a sense of the numinous, mm -hmm. um, you know, as Hume would call it, the, the mystical, the, yeah. that the holy dread, if you, or something like that. Um, the, um, so that's when I began to think these are, these are sentient creatures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the fact that sometimes the like tree breaks seem to have sometimes seem to have a meaning like go this way, you know, and you go and you find another one and then you find another one as if it's uh, creating a path. So um, I think there's some kind of a sentient creature. Now, like I say, when you have people like, you know, who are doing the Skinwalker Ranch investigations and serious scientists and people like Jacques Vallée, who's known for his UFO stuff, but when people like him start talking about portals um, and dimensions, well, you know, I can't rule it out. So it's, um, you know, it, it, it's a big pill to swallow, but I'm slowly choking it down. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. And, you know, you, you brought in a couple of uh, things I, I'm going to ask you about because uh, we I, I want to get into like signs and evidence of mm -hmm. Bigfoot. Uh, but, you mm -hmm. know, you, you make a good point in saying that, like as we are going through our thoughts and theories and opinions on, oh, what is Bigfoot? Is it like this more paranormal kind of mystical creature? Is it like flesh and blood? Like, I feel like we can we can kind of obviously say that it is it is a physical creature at mm -hmm. at its core it is physical because it leaves behind evidence it it leaves it it's one of the only like supernatural quote unquote things that i can think of that consistently leaves behind physical evidence mm -hmm. that it Good was point. there um and you talk uh quite a bit about uh, a lot of this evidence in the piece that you wrote for i i i have to assume i didn't ask before we started recording but this was for on behalf of uh society for arcane studies is that correct yeah. Yeah. okay okay yeah. yes yeah. My, my fellow member <laughs> yeah jason yes yeah <laughs> very very nice man <laughs> yes he is he's oh, lovely he's yeah. so smart well um he, Jason, the Prez, uh, he calls you their resident squatcher. How? Uh, <laughs> okay, how, how, sure, uh, why not? <laughs> hey, you know what? Kudos. Um, how how did this like come to be? How did you become a, a member of SAS? Like, what what's your scope of work uh, looked like with them? So I was I went to see uh, Ron Moorhead, uh, who was famous for his. Um, uh, Sierra recordings, and, um, and 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 that's fascinating stuff. If you dig into that a little bit, that I mean, that almost made me never go into the woods again. Oh. You know, <laughs> um, but he was speaking out here in Golden, and uh, I just I knew I saw Jason there, and I knew him mm -hmm. because his wife sings with my wife's singing group, oh. um, and uh, now they live in Estonia now. Um, but, um, but at the time when they lived here, uh, his, his wife sang in my wife's singing group called Planina Songs of Eastern Europe. 
And um, so we got to talking about stuff. And we both realized that uh, we both had a fascination with the weird. So that's how I got hooked up with him. And um, so he helped me one time. I, I did a little presentation um, at uh, a bookstore mm-hmm. uh, that one of the members uh, uh, also owned. And so we just kind of became friends and did more from there. He asked me to write a piece for this. He asked me if I would be happy to be, if I'd like to be interviewed uh, on his podcast. Okay. Okay. So in that article, uh, let's talk about Bigfoot. Uh, like I said, you do go into quite a bit of that evidence. You kind of lay it out for the readers. It's very mm-hmm. easy to understand. It's it's just a pleasure to read. But you um, also zero in on some of the information surrounding the Patterson-Gimlin film. And mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I think that you made a really good argument as to why it's not a hoax. I, I like the stance that mm-hmm. you took and the information that you provided. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Tell us why it's not a guy in a monkey suit. Okay. <laughs> so let me think, let me think where I want to start with this. Um, so I, I got to see um, uh, Bob Gimlin um, at a conference one time. <clears throat> and um, I learned a lot of things that I hadn't realized before. And that's, you know, one that, they didn't just go out there and happen to see this picture. They had been out for a month at that point, covering about 30 miles a day on horseback. And um, so they'd been out for a while and they decided to go in a little deeper uh, in, into the woods there. And that's when they stumbled across this this picture. Or not this picture, but you know, yeah. this Bigfoot, you know. And of course, nobody, no white man at least in recent him, uh, history, had seen one. So they had seen footprints and stuff, and there's some prospectors and all who have stories about it. But you understand, they didn't know what they were looking for. They didn't know what it was going to look like when they saw it. Right. And they come around this huge root ball, and there it is. It's obviously startled, and uh, their horses are startled. Um, and the horses probably wouldn't be startled if it was just one of them running around in a monkey suit, you know. So Bob got off his horse and he had a rifle at the ready because they didn't know what was going to happen. And um, Roger was half thrown, half got off his horse and he gets off and he's struggling to get the camera out of the camera bag and he's running, you know, and trying to get a picture and he falls in the creek and he finally gets stabilized enough to get a little bit of a more steady footage. <clears throat> so, you know, there's just, so when you start seeing a guy with a, in a monkey suit, okay, realizing that they didn't know what, how would they have made a monkey suit when they didn't know what it was going to look like? Mm-hmm. How would they have made a Bigfoot suit if he didn't know what it was going to look like? And it is consistent with every decent piece of footage we've ever, we ever see from them. Mm-hmm. So, how would they know that? Now, yes, there is this thing that they had or that Patterson had a suit made uh, sometime in the past. You know, and, and there's there's a lot around this, and I'm not sure exactly what, that there was a, a horsehair one and that there was another kind. I don't, I don't quite know. Mm-hmm. But so they're going around, you know, for days and days at a time, like lugging this monkey suit with them. And that just doesn't make sense. 
You know, people will believe it. You can show them a mountain of evidence saying it's true. But one person has to say, oh, they had a monkey suit. And, and the conclusion, oh, well, see there, I told you it was a hoax. They're, they're happily, happily believe, you know, one piece of evidence that it's a hoax. But then there's just the whole thing of, and, and as I said before, you, you're riding down the street. And you see a guy sitting in front of a new car wash, twirling a sign dressed in a gorilla suit, you know, and you don't think, oh, my God, there's a gorilla escaped from the zoo because it doesn't look like a gorilla. Right, right. (laughs) Or you see a gorilla in a zoo and you don't think, oh, those poor people, because it doesn't look like a person. Mm -hmm. The proportions are wrong. The long arms. uh, And, yeah, you could make an extension on your arms and have them flop around or something, but. The proportions are wrong. The walk is wrong. If you you know look at this and other videos, you'll see how their knee doesn't extend. Um, you know the knee is always a little bent. Yeah. And so and then it places one foot in front of the other. Uh, you know what you see that where you see track long lines of footprints. The um, it's called a compliant gait. Mm-hmm. You know plus the footprints themselves are different. And this is where Dr. Meldrum really comes in. And before I take my hat off to him for being a serious academic willing to delve into this, but from looking at the footprints, he kind of reverse engineers the lower part of the leg and I think up to the hip. But you'll see these and they push off with the entire front of the foot. We push off from the ball of our foot at the toes. Their foot pushes off from the entire front half. You can see this from the footprints. And I think you could say it would almost be impossible to fake that, even if you put on a prosthesis on your foot, because you still have to push off with your toe. You still can't make your foot bend in the middle. So, you know, it doesn't have the proportions. It, It doesn't, you know, the footprint, you know, I mean, Cameron's a smart guy. You know, he really is a smart man. Um, but I can't see him inventing a whole new foot anatomy and putting on a monkey suit and wearing breasts to boot. You know, it just, um, that just doesn't strike me as a very cowboyish, rancherish thing to do. Uh, the, um, I just, you know, I find that just ridiculous. Well, and then, and then like, you know, yeah, and Bob Hieronymus, he, he came out, uh, you know, after like 30 something years later saying that he was in the suit. And then we had mm-hmm. this uh, Philip Morris, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I've just started this research myself. So I'm trying to remember the name Philip Morris, who claimed that he made the suit and, mm-hmm. but there's no records. There's, there's no invoices of it being, you know, no shipping record, yeah. nothing yeah. of it ever having been made uh, or sent. And yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just fascinating to me it's really interesting and something actually that uh, your your piece caused me to do if you want to hear it I went into a, a little bit of a deep dive myself because I was curious uh, you mentioned in your article and I have heard it mentioned elsewhere that you know they they'll they'll tell you that okay back in you know 67 the, even the major studios weren't able to create something quite like this mm-hmm. okay so that got me thinking like okay well, if, if we were to say this is a monkey suit, this is a guy in a gorilla suit, what did monkey or gorilla suit, something that Roger Patterson would have had access to at the time just to be able to order from a costume maker? What would he have had access to at the time? It would have been gorilla 
or monkey suits. What did mm -hmm. those look like? What do vintage gorilla and monkey suits look like back in the 60s? Mm -hmm. And I went through tons of pictures and maybe I just have not found any yet, but I did not find one where it doesn't have the the plain gorilla face. As we can see just... in the PGF, there's there's hair, there's hair on yeah. the face, right? So that led me to believe, okay, this had to have been a custom order. Okay. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe Roger Patterson, he was just like, all right, we're going to add breasts. We're going to add a big booty. There are going to be long arms and there's got to be, she's got to have this like beard, Sasquatch beard. So mm -hmm. I got to custom order that stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Roger Patterson had custom order Bigfoot costume money <laughs> at that time. I don't, what I'm gathering. my understanding is, is he didn't. <laughs> Right, And, you know, it's funny when, when you said that, the first thing that popped into my head was an old episode of Gilligan's Island. I don't know if you even know Gilligan's Island. It I'm was aware. A I'm, I'm not going to know it the was, episode. It was a 60s sitcom and there was a gorilla, uh, you know, on the island with them. Okay. And I mean, it's like, come on, <laughs> you know, th there, there's no way you could mistake this for, you know, something like that for a person. Yeah. The closest I think anybody ever came was in um, the uh, movie 2001, A Space Odyssey. Uh, and in the beginning, it's all, it's Australopithecus, Australopithecus Africanus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and Dr. Uh, Leakey, uh, who discovered the bone and was, was sort of an expert. And I believe he was a um, technical advisor in filming this. Um, but the first, you know, half hour or so of the film is all about these ape men you know, small, not yet, you know, not yet evolved into people. Uh, and they did a marvelous job. Mm -hmm. Now, you still couldn't really mistake them for anything other than people, but they still, he did a marvelous job of covering that up. And I would say that would be the epitome of what could have been done in that era. Mm -hmm. uh, and that would have been in the early 70s, if I recall. I think I was just getting out of high school around that time. Okay. Uh, time that movie came out, and it's worth looking at. It's actually interesting. It's you know in its own right, but um, but there's 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 no dialogue, just a lot of screeching. Um, <laughs> but um, it was beautifully done. Um, okay. But that was that was with the technical advice of one of the leading anthropologists of the day, um, you know, who found these bones at Old Divide Gorge and um, just sort of turned the anthropology world on its ear when, that was when, a good approximation what was that movie i, I would like to take a 2000, look at it. 2001 a space odyssey okay okay and, uh, yeah. and if you're gonna go there also then go to the end and watch the famous psychedelic sequence too. <laughs> it still stands the test of time after all these you know <laughs> Right on. All right. Um, well, there was, uh, what was the other thing? Uh, specifically, I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned it in the piece, uh, some story about how Roger and Bob almost lost their lives uh, oh my when God. they went back yeah. to get the, the cast. What Can you tell mm. us that story? Yes, not near as well as they did. So <laughs> at this conference, they had a, um, a film that they were sort of beta testing, and it was an animated film. But it was about how this all happened, how this all came about uh, from the time they first left um, uh, with Yakima mm -hmm. um, or whatever, wherever they were, drove down you know, and, you know, driving, you know, for days in this old pickup truck, pulling horses, 
you know, trying to um, go from there to the search. And then, so the night after they, um, they had seen it and, and they had, I think, cast a few of the footprints. And uh, I may have this little out of sequence, so forgive me. But it starts to rain and, oh, no, it's not going to last long. Bob thought, I'm going to go cover those up. He was able, they were close enough that he was able to walk back from where they had the truck camp into the woods and cover them up, uh, at least some of them, the footprints. And then it starts to rain and it rains and it rains. So in the end, they have to get them and the horses across the river onto the road. The road is, the, the river's starting to flood. They're you're driving up the road. They can't see through the rain. The whole road is starting to slide off into the river. It, uh. It's dirt road. It's mud. Mm -hmm. And they finally, uh, they're getting to the crest of the hill, and it was downhill from there. They couldn't make it. So Bob runs out and grabs a um, front end loader that was there from the construction that was going on. And I guess, you know, they left the keys in it or something. He was able to drive it and use that to pull the truck to the top of the hill. Oh. Um, and uh, they had pretty much burned out their clutch by that point. Uh, but they managed to get into town and mail off the film, you know, that night. But yeah, I mean, it was it was an absolute, I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, you know, as they're, <laughs> you know, even as they're going through all of this. It was a great story. And, I, and I've never seen any sign of that film after that. I have no idea uh, whatever happened to that. But it was it was real good. Oh wow! I have I had not heard that part of the yeah. story yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it, it's that was the only place I've ever heard this. Um, but it was it was good. <laughs> He's wow. a good storyteller. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, I'd love to meet him. Um, so, kind of in the vein of PGF, um, I'm sure you've seen tons and tons of video captures, purportedly, mm -hmm. of this. Sasquatch. Um, have you, uh, do you know of any that you would say are at least approaching as compelling as mm. the PGF? Anything even close to it? Catch the second half of my conversation with Jim next week. We pick up with another well-known Bigfoot capture that the field gets a little divided on before we explore some signs and evidence of the creature. For the time being, if you would like to read Jim's online piece, Let's Talk About Bigfoot, I have it linked below. Follow the show on the socials at ParanormGirlPod. If you enjoyed this one, take a second to rate five stars and leave a nice review. If you didn't enjoy it, you don't have to do a single thing. Don't have to lift a finger. If you are over on YouTube, hit like, subscribe, and share. Remember, I am trying to get the channel to 500. We'll do a big listener giveaway once we hit our goal. One last thing before we go. I got some merch, baby. The merch is coming in. I am stoked. <laughs> I am still waiting on a few more items, though. But once they are in, I will have an online store where you can visit and pick up some PGP accessories. And then you will be super fashionable and supporting the show all at the same time. That is a wrap for today. See you guys back here next week. Until then, stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.